Come, Holy Spirit, and kindle the flame that is in us. Take our minds and think through them. Take our lips and speak through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire. Amen. Good morning. I don't usually get to see you. <laughs> the, uh, the English-born organist and choir director, Alec Whiteson, who spent much of his career in New York City and who died in 2007, often said that church musicians need to equally embody the roles of pastor, teacher, and artist. Well, let's just say this is a little more than I bargained for when they said pastor. But here we are, and I'm so grateful to be here with you from this vantage point this morning. I'd like to spend some time considering one of the major themes present in our readings this morning, and that is the theme of preparation. As part of my position as canon for music, it's something I spend quite a bit of my professional time doing. Whether I'm choosing music or readings or sourcing materials for bulletins or concert programs, composing new music, getting ready for choir rehearsals, or practicing the organ, you could measure my life in a constant cycle of preparation, multiple constant cycles of preparation. When one cycle draws to a close, I'm already knee deep in preparing the next three. And if you engage or have ever engaged in any sort of regular musical activity, you know how this goes. There's always a goal on the horizon. Whether it's a performance, a concert, in our case, a service, some sort of big thing, capital B, capital T. And at the beginning of the cycle, that goal can feel distant or overwhelming, or in the case of some really difficult organ pieces, incomprehensible. As you engage with the preparation process, though, a slow but steady transformation occurs, and that once intimidating goal, that big thing, begins to feel more within reach. And finally, after you've put the work in, and the moment arrives for you to put your preparation into practice, you might be so lucky to have the opportunity to share something meaningful that changes the people who witness it, and equally as importantly, changes you. We heard quite a bit about preparation today. In this case, preparation for the coming of Christ. Uh, we heard that iconic passage from Isaiah's prophecy. We hear about it again in the second epistle of Peter, and of course, uh, Mark quoting Isaiah, in a way, uh, in the opening verses of that gospel. The image of Mark's locust-eating John the Baptist is excellent fodder for our biblical imaginations in his probably smelly, presumably sticky, very hairy getup, calling from the wilderness to prepare the, for the arrival of, Messiah, of the Messiah by accounting for our sins. One greater than he is coming, he says, one so great that he is not even worthy enough to remove his biblical Birkenstocks, so to speak. Admittedly, the picture my imagination conjures of this guy borders on the ridiculous, but his call to self-reflection is well worth heeding. Something big, a big thing, is brimming on our horizon, the focus of our preparation, the arrival of the one whom John the Baptist proclaims. How can we, in this moment, in this time, fully engage in this season of preparation? 
Now, I can't say that scriptural exegesis is high up on my list of professional skills, but I would like to share with you some ideas for Advent preparation inspired by methods of preparation and practiced used by musicians. One step I always try to take in my musical preparation process, stinging as it might be, is to listen and watch myself on the record. When I'm conducting the choir, do the gestures of my hands match what I'm telling them? When I'm playing the organ, am I really achieving the musical nuance I'm hoping for, or am I just imagining it and moving on? What do I actually sound like? How do I carry myself for real? This sometimes excruciating process of holding up the mirror reminds me to be mindful of the habits that I'm choosing and helps me become aware when my habits are choosing me. Some form of self-reflection is also a great practice for our everyday lives, whether that's journaling or meditating or some kind of mindful exercise or simply saving time each day for private prayer in conversation with God. Spending time in quiet, mindful moments of self-reflection requires us to be vulnerable and to practice forgiveness, both of ourselves and others, and truthful in our own assessments of how we're living. Practicing vulnerability can open us to more profound experiences of the big thing for which we are preparing when it finally comes. And I think John the Baptist's call to to repentance is a great reminder to hold ourselves accountable to the promises in our baptismal covenant. Another musical preparatory method that I find invaluable is that of slow, repetitive, analytical practice. When you slow down and get to know a piece of music really, really well, that music can take hold and grow in your mind like a flower, starting from the germ of an idea to a colorful bloom. What if we spent time slowly and repetitively and analytically praying the words of a favorite hymn this season or choosing a passage from one of the season's scripture readings to get to know by heart? I think of this morning's passage from Isaiah, which contains most of the texts from the first portion of Handel's Messiah, a movement in which you'll hear them sing in just a little bit. Anyone who has ever sung the Messiah hears those words differently than they did before spending hours and hours practicing and preparing them. Mindful repetition and analysis, asking questions, making observations, drawing connections, doing some research even. This breeds a really beautiful kind of familiarity, and I commend it to you as a wonderful preparatory practice this Advent. I dare you to see how your experience of singing your favorite hymns on Christmas Eve changes after spending time getting to know the texts on their own. Finally, I offer you something that seems very simple, but isn't always easy, and I acknowledge in this moment I am preaching a little bit to the choir. (laughs) Meaning you all too. (laughs) Because you're here. I encourage you to show up, participate, and pray in community. While self-reflection and personal study are amazing things you can do on your own, preparation also happens here with others or online. Hi, everybody. Engaging with those people around you, whether that's in person or online. The members of your Trinity Choir community are exemplars in the art of showing up. 
making sacrifices to be here weeknights, early mornings, in support of the group as a whole. But as my church musician father used to remind me when I was a moody teenager, the more you put into something, you get double out of it. I have found that that adage holds true in my life as a Christian and as a musician. Even on the days when the last thing you want to do is drive downtown and vulture for parking or get up and make sure that you're in a space in your house where nothing is gonna distract you, the days when you just don't wanna do those things, putting the effort in to get here, whether it's virtually or here in, in person, and pray with this community is an act of faith and devotion in and of itself. And that effort can bloom into something unexpected and beautiful that will show itself in unexpected ways when the big thing comes. Of course, I can't say if this is true for everyone, but it's certainly true for me that inspiration comes during the work rather than before it whether I'm, say, composing a new piece of music or partaking in our communal work of liturgy or writing a sermon. Taking that first step to be present with this community and open to the workings of the Holy Spirit, whatever baggage we might have in tow on a given day, that is a kind of preparation that opens us to new experiences, new people, and new transformations as we worship and pray together. Each week here at Trinity, I'm reminded to pay attention to both the words of the scriptures and to the modern day prophets that shake us awake and remind us to pay attention. Once again, tapping into our biblical imaginations. What if John the Baptist, what might he look and sound like if he appeared, for instance, from the wilderness of Forest Park on the corner of 19th and Burnside? Maybe he's got scraggly hair. Maybe she has mismatched shoes and inadequate clothing and maybe they come shrouded in all the odors of life on the street, yet proclaiming a bold message that represents a marked shift from the status quo. We smile nostalgically at Mark's description of a radical man who eats bugs in the woods, but are we ready to listen, to really listen to today's prophets, urging us to hold up the mirror and take a good, hard look at how we're living? Something big is brimming on our horizon the focus of our preparation, the arrival of the one whom John the Baptist proclaims. It's coming for us as individuals and for us as a community. As the Baptist urges, it's time to hold ourselves accountable. Are we paying attention? Are we present, really present? Is the change in the air? I pray that as we travel down the winding road to Bethlehem, our preparations might be blessed so that when we finally get a glimpse of the child, we will be ready. Ready to be vulnerable, to be changed, to walk out of our lives to a place in that stable where God breaks all the rules and offers God's self for us. In these preparatory endeavors, may the same God help us. Amen.